Good morning, everyone. And a very warm welcome to worship here at St. George's on Sunday, the 19th of September. Why don't you just take a moment to quietly say hello to the folks around about you and see if you recognize the eyebrows and the glasses. And just one wee reminder just now that we need to wear our face coverings even when singing. The bulk of the intimations will now always come after the children go out of church. But at this time, in this place, let us worship God with open ears ready to listen and hearts ready to receive, minds willing to be challenged and attitudes given to God. Come, we worship God as one. We worship God by standing, if able, to sing hymn 165, Praise to the Lord for the joys of the earth, hymn number 165. And now let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray. Loving, gracious God, we have gathered here in this space and further afield to worship you. God the Father, our Creator. God the Son, our Redeemer. God the Holy Spirit, our source of strength and comfort. 
quiet in our hearts now to recognize you in this place today, our gracious, loving God, who does not put us in order, greatest to least, best to worst, loved most to loved least, or any other order. Be with us as we spend time with one another and with you. Help us to listen to you as you speak to us and challenge us, love us and encourage us. Lord God, you came into this world as a tiny, helpless baby. You grew into a man who loves us all, all young and old. God, who loves little children, we adore you. We drink in the wonder of your presence, the specialness of your relationship with us, for you are far beyond our understanding and your love is greater than our greatest dreams. We worship you, our Lord and our God. Your son, Jesus, said, anyone who wants to be first must be last. And so, Lord, for the times I've put myself first or argued with people because I think I know better than them or that I am better than them, for the times when I don't want to be a servant because I think I'm capable of greater things, when I don't recognize Christ in those around me because I'm too busy looking out for myself, when I jostle for position rather than being happy where you put me. For all these times, Lord, please forgive me, for we are present now humbly in your presence, forgiven, acknowledging that you are the greatest. And here is now as we pray together in the words Jesus taught, praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. And the bag is here, Murray, you were right. It was on the seat. I could hear you going, where's the bag? And it was there all the time, wasn't it? I wonder what's in it today. <laughs> You're not doing it again, Murray. Okay, fair enough. That's all right. Do you know, during the week, I was speaking to a gentleman who said, what was that boy doing on Sunday? I couldn't see properly. And do you know where this man lived? Down near Bristol. So there we go. So he was watching you on Sunday on the video. Mm -hmm. Right, do you want to pull one out? You can, there's about seven, I think, in here. So take one. So who have you got? Elsa. Elsa, okay. Right. Who have you got? Oh, well, Buzz Lightyear, right. Who have you got, Haley? Ariel. Ben. Who have you got? Woody. 
<laughs> you did what, Mari, did you? I'll just take one, I'll just take one. <laughs> I haven't, I, I counted and there's not quite. <laughs> Go on, check, pull, pull it out. Who have you got? Paddington. Oh. Peppa Pig. And who's that? Bob the Builder. Oh, wow. No, there were seven. I didn't count out enough. So, lots of characters that you all know. So who would be your favourite Fraser from these ones we've pulled out? Who do you think? Not too sure? No, okay. What about you, Freya? Um, my favourite character is... Um, Buzz. Buzz Lightyear. I'm sorry, I can't remember your name. Sarah. Sarah. Who do you think? Um, or who do you think's the best? No, I don't. Okay, Haley. any ideas what you think? Probably the person you got. You got Ariel, didn't you, from The Little Mermaid? What about you, Ben? Who would, Woody, so you got your favourite, did you? Oh, Murray, who would be? Paddington. Paddington. Now, can I ask you something else? Who do you think's the best? Wait, wait, out of the people? Uh, out of the, the pictures. You like Paddington, okay. What about you, Alexander? Paddington. And it's Joe? Yeah. Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig. <laughs> Is that who you've got? Is that your... Uh-huh. And what about you? And what's your name? Ennis. You've changed... Is your hair different today, Ennis? You just look as if you've changed a wee bit. Is that a haircut? Maybe. Maybe. Who's, who do you think's the greatest? You don't know. Well, do you know, each of us will have our own ideas about who's the best out of all of these and who's the greatest. But do you know something? Who, out of you folks, do you think anyone's better than all the others? No. We're all the same. We're all equally good and equally loved because Jesus loves us all. God knows each one of us and he knows us by name. And let me try. I'm determined I'm going to get this. Innes, Joe, Alexander, Murray, Ben, Haley, Sarah, Freya, and Fraser. Yeah. And you know, uh-huh, Jesus loves us all just the same. Jesus doesn't have favourites. He doesn't think any one of us is any better or any worse than the other. He loves us all and he loves us all exactly the same and we're going to sing of that in our next hymn we're going to sing hymn 564 which is Jesus loves me okay and you can take these pictures with you if you want to to Sunday school
you not want to go to out this morning? Because I think there's lots of exciting things to do down to do for you today. now we come to the intimations. As you can see, we have our printed order of service back. And I would ask that if you're at all able, would you please send your intimations to Margaret Dick and her phone number and her email is on the Pew leaflet. And if they could be in by Wednesday evenings, please. I have one or two additional intimations to the intimation about the Women's Aid and Food Bank collections which will take place on Sunday the 3rd of October. Sunday the 3rd of October will be our Harvest Thanksgiving and we're hoping that some of the youngsters might be able to join us on that Sunday. Next Sunday is Ice Cream Sunday for the children and this is open to children of all ages plus any visiting grandchildren. But children are welcome any Sunday, any Sunday to come here and either stay in the church, go to the creche, go to the children's organisations. I don't mind. We all love the children being with us. But next Sunday, the children will go straight to the hall and come into the church towards the end of the service to tell us what they've got up to. Now, as you know, many of the midweek groups have restarted. I've been asked to let you know that the Keep Fit classes are open to everyone. All right. And I've also been asked to remind you that the Tannehill Arts Festival is on from the 24th of October to the 2nd, sorry, 24th of September to the 2nd of October. So it starts next weekend. And I know that there were leaflets around last week. Finally, it is with sadness that I intimate the death of one of our members, Nancy Roberts. Nancy's funeral will take place at 10.30 a.m. this Thursday at Woodside Crematorium. And I would ask that you would please keep Nancy's family in your prayers. These are all the intimations. And we turn now to scripture, which will be read for us by Margaret Brown. The first reading is James chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. Two kinds of wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires at battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. 
When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. The other reading is Mark chapter 9, verses 30 to 37. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child and had him stand among them. Taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Amen. Thank you, Margaret. We continue in our worship with hymn 594, Come, Holy Spirit, come. Hymn 594.
when I spoke with the children, we were making the very simple point that it doesn't matter who we are, God loves us. Yes, God loves us. He loves you and he loves me. And he sent Jesus into the world to share that love, to teach us about his love in words and in actions. But sometimes the message that Jesus gave was one that his followers didn't want to hear or one that they didn't understand. And that certainly seems to be the case in this morning's gospel reading when Jesus once again tells his disciples what is to happen to him when they get to Jerusalem. He will be put to death and on the third day will rise again. Well, it seems as if the disciples listened but didn't hear. Still their hearts are closed, the blinds are down. They don't understand and they don't dare ask. They don't ask Jesus, just what is it that you mean? But perhaps we can relate to that. Have you ever put off going to the doctor because you're too scared about what you might be told? You know, the burying your head in the sand. And here, the disciples are too afraid to come to terms with their hero Messiah letting God's people down. Letting God's people down, failing them, but not saving them from Roman domination. Such a failure is too much to bear, too much to think about. It seems as if they cannot understand that Jesus must die, or simply they don't want to hear that. And if Jesus dies, then what will happen to them? Who will be their leader? In their fear and their confusion, they talk about it amongst themselves as they walk behind Jesus. Maybe there's a hint here that they're looking for a real leader to take over once Jesus is dead. Perhaps that's why they're arguing about which of them is the greatest. Who will take over? In the gospel, we're not told that Jesus heard what was said. In reality, Jesus must have overheard their conversation. Think of the mum at home who hears what her children are saying in the next room, or the teacher at the, in the classroom tuned into the conversation at the back. We've all done that. We've done it in cafes too, haven't we? Listened into what's been said at the next table as we people watch. So Jesus has heard this argument and perhaps we can picture him shaking his head in utter frustration and dismay. When will they get it? And thinking, how many times do I need to tell them? But Jesus, well, Jesus is never afraid of asking questions. He always seeks the truth and he prompts others to do the same. So, having overheard the conversation, he gets straight to the point. He turns to his disciples and he says, what were you arguing about? And all he gets, all he gets is a great silence. You can picture either the eyes going up, I'm not hearing this, or I'll look at my feet instead. A shame and guilt no doubt overwhelmed them at the very thought that he might know what they were bickering about. But he does know. I suppose our first response to the disciples bickering might be, how silly, especially after Jesus had just told them something so profound. 
had they ignored or avoided Jesus' statement. Perhaps it was a bit of both. We all know how we can react when we don't want to hear something or we hear something that we don't really want to hear. Sometimes we can say the most inane things. But then it's interesting to wonder just what the criteria were that the disciples intended to use when they were talking about greatness. What did they mean? Did they mean best? If so, best at what? Or perhaps they meant most trusted? Or been with Jesus the longest? Or most important? Whatever that might mean. Although the language is about the greatest, one person, were they perhaps each trying to find or assert some kind of self-worth or value? There are lots of questions that we could ask about what was meant by who is the greatest. But the picture that we get is of the disciples competing with one another in very normal, very human ways that are just as familiar to us today. And Jesus responds, well, maybe he thought to himself, will they never learn? So he calls them over and joins in their conversation. Or rather, he takes it in a new direction. If the disciples seemed confused by Jesus' statement about his death and resurrection, the next statement that Jesus makes doesn't make the confusion any less. For he goes on to speak of the first being last and the last first. A puzzling statement. Is Jesus telling his friends that in the bigger picture, the argument about greatness was redundant? Let's think about Jesus' own life. Jesus' own way of life showed humility and servanthood. So those who declared themselves the greatest or who sought to declare themselves the greatest had clearly not understood the message that Jesus brought and the message that Jesus brings today. To Jesus, in the kingdom of God, the greatest are those who regard themselves as the least and act accordingly. And in the writings of James that was read this morning, we see how we can be pulled in different directions in the tension between what we want and what God asks. And James talks too of fights and quarrels and reminds us that we are to submit ourselves to God. For us today, well, we probably cannot avoid an element of competition and comparison between people, between ourselves and others, in a whole range of everyday things. But let's be absolutely clear, this has no place in God's kingdom, no place in church life. As we build this congregation of St. George's, we need to remember that God loves each one of us. God has a place for each of us, and that each one of us can serve God. As we look around the congregation, are we ever tempted to see ourselves as better than others, or at least not as bad as some? Because if we are, then, like the disciples, we have not yet understood. Maybe this is something we all need to do, to reflect on these things again. The life of Christ 
his humility, his walking and talking with those no one else wanted to be with, his serving others and more, can help us to find our greatness, to help us to find our greatness, not in ourselves, but in him and in his life. For greatness as defined by Jesus is not the greatness that we know in this world. Take yourself back to your childhood for a moment. Think back to school, to sitting in the gym changing room, going out to play hockey or netball or football, and the PE teacher has chosen the two team captains, and the team captains take it in turn to choose their team. I wonder where you came in the pecking order, sitting there, waiting to be chosen, desperate to be chosen, and how often, how awful it felt if you were one of the last. And children, children in the playground, and then contestants on shows like The Apprentice or Strictly that started last night, Everyone that takes part in that, in these competitions, they all vie to be the best, to be the greatest. And this desire is not limited just to children or participants in reality TV shows. We find it. We find it in most walks of life. Maybe as adults, we are a little more subtle in our efforts, but only to a point. And in today's gospel reading, it sounds as if James and John both want to be the team captains. And they both want to be the greatest. Perhaps they were vying for the position of leader after Jesus has gone to Jerusalem and been killed. And today, how do we measure greatness? There links, seems to be links to wealth, influence, status. And those who have the most are at the top of society and are considered by some at least to be the greatest. Those with the least are at the bottom. And it was as true in Jesus' society as it is in ours. The disciples' conversation about who was the greatest could be what, in today's world, we might call a desire for upward mobility. But in this passage that we've read, when Jesus is speaking about greatness, he and his disciples have reached Capernaum and they're about to go inside to be at home. Now, at that time, the tradition was for the teacher to sit to teach. So Jesus sits down and he calls on his 12 friends, his disciples, to gather around him. Remember, he's heard what was said and in his gentle way, he doesn't argue back. He speaks, he speaks simply, gently even, but with searing precision that he leaves them in no doubt that they had got quite the wrong idea about discipleship. Greatness, greatness in God's eyes is about servanthood. Greatness is not about power over others. It's not about wealth. It's not about status, it's not about fame or celebrity, it's about voluntary servanthood. Greatness is about being vulnerable and welcoming the vulnerable. So Jesus is sitting, teaching his disciples. And he then did what he was so good at doing. He used what was around him. He used the familiar scenes, objects and people to explain his thoughts. 
in the house at Capernaum, there were children. And children in Middle Eastern culture had no status. They were loved, but every other family member was more important. A child was the smallest of the small and the most vulnerable. So in that context, there could be no more startling illustration of the radical truth that Jesus was pointing to than a child. But Jesus, well, Jesus didn't just point at one of the children running around, singling her out as a blueprint example, if you like. No, he reaches out to her. He sits her on his knee, puts his arm around her. And in that action, there could be no clearer demonstration of God's love and welcome for the least of all. For being a disciple is not only about being a servant, it's also about welcoming, listening to and learning from the disregarded, the excluded, the voiceless. And as we do that, we're welcoming God. What could be simpler? Thinking back to Jesus and the image of him with the child. The trouble is that when we see a perfect picture of Jesus with the children, we tend to respond with, ah, isn't that sweet? Now, those of you of my age and older will no doubt remember the wonderful big pictures, the posters that we had at Sunday school with Jesus, with his blondish brown hair and his blue eyes and the child on his lap, the perfect little child. But that's not how it was. And today in the 21st century, for the image to have the same meaning, to challenge our way of thinking in the way that Jesus challenged his disciples, then perhaps that picture needs to be of Jesus holding a child, a child that's been abused, neglected, a child who is truly treated as the least of all. Or maybe, maybe it should be of Jesus with his arm around someone who in another way represents the least of all. Someone we shy away from truly welcome, but someone who is near at hand like the child in Mark's story. So we, as Jesus' followers, as his disciples, we need to remember that it is by welcoming everyone, friend, stranger, rich, poor, looked up to, downtrodden, that we welcome God, that we serve him in the world. No one of us is greater than the other. No one of us is greater than the other. Amen. And now our offerings having been collected, the choir will now sing the anthem as the offerings are brought forward.
Thank you, Alan, and thank you, choir. Our offerings have been made. Let us now dedicate all that we offer. Let's pray. Merciful God, you know our hearts. You know that deep down we long to draw near to you and offer all that we are and all that we have. Receive our gifts today. Take and use them as you will, not as we desire. Build your kingdom here and now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, our prayers for others will be led for us by Stephen Brotherston. Let us come to the Lord in our prayers for others. As we are coming out of restrictions due to COVID, forgive us for forgetting the crisis is still going on. We ask you to be with the people who are still starving and can't get access to clean water. Have mercy on them, Lord. As most people have had their vaccine, let us pray for the homeless who may have difficulty in getting their vaccine. Let us have mercy on them. And as the numbers of the people admitted to hospital is on the rise, and sadly, so is deaths, we ask you to bring the Holy Spirit to be with them and comfort them, and be with the families who have lost ones recently and before. We pray for our church family here in St. George's, here and our members who are at home due to illness or cannot travel due to restrictions. Have mercy on them, Lord. Lord, we ask you to be with the lonely and those in hospital. We pray for our church worldwide and we pray we will be stronger. And despite our problems, we ask you to guide us to be the church that is pleasing to you and we may go from strength to strength. We ask these prayers in our Lord, Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. And now we close this morning's service of worship with hymn 513, Courage, Brother, Do Not Stumble, hymn 513.
Lord Jesus, may we go out into the world to shine with your love, to listen with your ears, and speak words of kindness and hope to everyone we meet in your name. And the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, rest and remain with you and all those whom you love this day and forevermore. Thank you.